You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 26, brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Scott. Adam. And John. We're four guys who collect action figures, statues, and other items from the worlds of comics and pop culture, and we like them so much, we made this podcast just to talk about them. This episode, our Toy of the Week, is the Sideshow Premium Format Wolverine statue, and our discussion topic is action figure vehicles. Welcome, gentlemen. How's everybody this evening? Fantastic. Well, I'm sick. I, I was going to say it's nice of uh, you all to chime in, but I know there's at least one person that's barely hanging in there. Scotty, you still with us? I'm sick. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm so committed. Sniffle, I know. Sniffle, sniffle. And we love you for it. Oh, thank you. Did you do anything exciting during the week other than take drugs and moan a lot? <laughs> no, I, I just I've had a huge kind of three weeks for work and a lot of it was all leading up to a big event on Friday and so part of the reason why I'm crook is just the adrenaline letdown of you know when you lead up to a big event and then when it's over your body goes oh thank god I can collapse now so yeah I'm good I've just got a bit of a croaky throaty coffee thing but I will refrain from sniffling and coughing um and yeah otherwise I've just had this really busy week leading up to a giant event which went really well and um, I get a long weekend, so that's good. Good on you. All right, well, we'll try not to call on you uh, too much for this episode. Oh, and... as if I'll be able to stop myself from talking, seriously. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't want to say that, so... <laughs> All right, Adam, what about yourself? Um, been busy, got a bunch of action figures. Um, we'll deal with that later. Um, oh, and next installment of Practical... <laughs> Captain Practical, hello. Yeah, so so, um, a couple weeks ago was a car service for me, which would be fun. So this next weekend coming up will be a timing belt on the engine. Yay, fun. Uh, Um, It's never cheap. Yeah, and finally booked in bathroom renovations. So that's a big sink of money going down the drain, but at least we'll have a nice bathroom for once. Well, I'm looking forward to feeding the addiction tonight because you've got quite the haul. Yeah. (laughs) And John, what about yourself? Uh, just been a kind of a hectic week at work. I went in and did some training on third shift, so uh, a couple of early days this week. That's what about does, it. Uh, what does third shift mean for us Australians? Um, third shift at our plant is there from like 11 at night till 7 in the morning. So wow. I had. Jeez. How can you be yeah. trained to do anything at that time of night besides sleep? <laughs> well, we run we run 24 hours, and um, so I went in, I got there at 5, which means I get up around 3.30, and uh, trained them for a couple hours, um, hopefully taught them some things, and then <laughs> went on with my day. <laughs> good on you, good on you. Yes. Well, this week I actually spent a bit of time checking out storage units, so it was... Uh, 
doing a bit of tidy up in my garage and I came to the realisation that I have too much stuff and I talked to the good Mrs Shake and about the possibility of maybe getting a storage unit to at least move all my statue boxes out and I did some pricing and just came to the realisation that I really just have too much crap. So I, I actually started going through and putting some stuff aside to sell on eBay and uh, I came across a rather large box that uh, has followed me for, for many years now and it's full of poster tubes. And for quite a while there I was got right in, into uh, movie posters. And so for about four or five hours today I covered the dining room table with these poster tubes and just slowly emptied them and went through them just to see exactly what I had. And it was actually a lot of fun because I found gems that I completely forgot that I even owned and, and can't even remember where I got them. And, uh, yeah, that, that was fun. And, of course, on the flip side, when you do that sort of thing, you always find that, oh, gee, why did I buy this? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that, that movie was so bad. I, yeah. I can't tell anyone I have this poster. <laughs> why do I have a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids poster? Yeah, hey, not that bad. <laughs> I uh, I used to get them from a place in Sydney who brought them in from the US and he, uh, up until that point, the internet wasn't particularly active for, for that sort of thing and we used to trip up to Sydney and, and buy posters from him and uh, it was quite a an active market and so he used to sell out on a lot of the posters. So you would often be buying the posters before you saw the movie. So you, you just took a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a bit of a risk that, um, you know, you saw the trailer for the movie and it looked really good. So, yeah, I'll get the movie poster and then you saw the movie and went, oh. So, but, yeah, I found a couple of hidden gems. I've managed to pick up over the years quite a few uh, Hong Kong movie posters that were actual imports for... Um, Things like John Woo films. Um, anyone's seen Chalian Fat in Hard Boiled, yeah. and th- things like that. So yeah, finding those little gems and yeah, Mrs. Shake was really encouraging. She said, "Oh, now, we should get some frames." Oh wow! <laughs> now are they um, the double-sided theater type or are they the single-sided ones? They vary. I've actually got so many that it really varies. This guy used to import them from all over the world. So uh, a lot of the posters are the US one sheets, either advance or, or regular. Uh, I think by the time I was getting into them, especially in the early 90s, um, movie posters had really taken off. And so a lot of movies would have six or seven different styles of poster just in the US alone. So, so you started off um, thinking about selling some things to make some money and decided to spend money to buy frames instead? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you've certainly been in my, my living room and you've yes. seen the, the three posters up on the wall. I've got um, an original Conan the Barbarian, a Raiders of the Lost Ark, and a uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I, I always get distracted by that full-size um, nude oil painting that you did of yourself. That, that always throws me. But yes, <laughs> I, do, I do kind of remember the... Um, well, it's just, it's on the opposite wall, so you're just facing the wrong direction, so. Uh, well, I I'll usually try to face away from that, <laughs> yes, so. Yeah. It's, it's so, very hard to squint all the time to see it properly, so, you know, turn the other way. That's why I made it so big, so that even squinting doesn't yeah. stop it. <laughs> so, yes, but I mean, originally the intention was when I got those three movie posters framed, I, I did actually spend a bit of money um, so that the the posters could be reused and I could rotate the posters, but uh, I just like those three so much that they've kind of been like that for the last five years and I, I'm yet to actually rotate them. So <laughs> this might give me the incentive to do a bit of a, yeah, a, bit of a swap around, I guess. So. Cool. Mine are um, the stuff I have in frames down here. Uh, it's probably two or three deep if you actually take the 
the the frame apart, there's probably three frames in it, you know, or, you know, three posters and behind it. Um, oh, just yeah. when I've switched them out, I've just left them, you know, instead yep, of yep. trying to store them somewhere else, just stored them flat behind the other one. So that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, I should see how much space I've got. So yeah, ah, very good. I was actually, I mean, the the biggest problem you have with getting the posters framed is the place where I got them. They actually wanted to take the posters. They didn't want to just sort of measure the posters and, and get the frames made. And so I was really hesitant to, to you know, let them go, especially the um, good, the bad, and the ugly. Huh. So, But no, I found a, a couple of gems, which was good, and found some absolute rubbish that I just won't even bother trying to sell. I think I'll just throw them straight out. So, oh, But anyway, look, enough about me. Moving right along. Any, uh, any other witty things from this week, gents, or should we get on to some articulated news? I'm sick. <laughs> Wait, just to warn you guys, my my spacebar doesn't work. So uh, if I type anything without words in it, uh, or without spaces in it, you know what's going words on. In it. Your word, your word <laughs> buttons don't work either. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, my word button. I will be typing in all mathematical equations. <laughs> awesome. Now, uh, valued listener, that that sort of almost implies that we use a script for this show, which we don't because we're professionals and we do this off the top of our head. So uh, <laughs> without further ado, let's get things started with some articulated news. Duke's in trouble! Scramble the Storm Eagle! A G.I. Joe Storm Eagle has a hidden water cannon that shoots up to 20 feet, but the Cobra Liquidator's making a splash and the Parasite's launching catapult missiles! It's the G.I. Joe Patriot with a huge mortar cannon that really fires! G.I. Joe Patriot, Storm Eagle, Cobra, Parasite, and Liquidator sold separately. I found the Barracuda! But Duke's gone! So glad you could join us! Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. Now, we're not a comprehensive toy news service. These are just the stories that relate to the things we're interested in and have caught our eye this week. And John has our first piece of news this week, so over to you, John. Yeah, the good folks over at uh, Diamond Select are expanding their vehicle collectible lines in, with uh, a couple of TV shows this time instead of a, a movie like the Back to the Future car. Um, this time we're seeing the Munsters Motor Coach and uh, Knight Rider, the, the Kit 2000. That's a, the, very apt, a very apt piece of news for, uh, for tonight's episode. Indeed. Yeah, um, the, they're in one fifteenth scale and looks like the Knight Rider is going to have some electronics to it. Um, what is one fifteenth scale? That's well, I mean, obviously it's one fifteenth scale, but <laughs> but what does that relate to to anything else? It's very odd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they just wouldn't make them the one eighteenth, you know, so that they would work with just a regular, you know, uh, three and three quarter figure. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm. It, it's I, I've seen people. I've seen people display them with those figures, and they they're not so different that they look bad, but they just don't look right. But to give you an idea, 115th scale, you would have a figure that was 4.8 inches tall. So they've managed to pick a scale that is almost smack bang between three and three quarter and six inch. So that's outstanding. It doesn't look like other model cars or anything either from memory. Like to me, it stuff's normally what, like 112th, 124th, 132nd, something like that. Yeah, they normally stay on the evens. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I do know they 115 scale is reasonably, I mean, it's not one of the most common, but it is a, um, a common scale with some of the larger military model kits and things like that. I've seen a 115 scale King, um, King Tiger, et cetera. So it's, it's not a, a unique scale by any means, but for action figures, it's very unusual. Um, does anyone know if they have plans to do figures in matching scale? I would have thought if they were going to do that, they would have done it with Back to the Future by now mm, because true. those Back to the Future cars have been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll have to stay tuned with that one. Moving on to our next bit of news, the Super Alloy Batman 1-6 action figure by Jim Lee. Uh, uh, this has got to be a red card candidate, honestly. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't even know the name of the company. Uh, have you, do you guys know... Did we, it's we did a, work imagination play or something? Play imaginative, yeah, I think. Oh, fully imaginative, yeah. Whatever. I imaginative. I don't know. This <laughs> doesn't for me. I mean, it's a nice looking figure. Don't get me wrong. It's it's obviously you know it's beautifully sculpted and and it sort of looks amazing. But it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard enough time with the new Batman in in the you know, the DC new with his piping all over his costume. But this just takes it one step further, and he's fully. Armoured up with armour plates, and uh, it's just a... No, sorry, it doesn't work for me at all. There's a scad of these kind of things happening at the moment between, you know, the Kyrat's Play stuff, and um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of Bat- Batman um, variations going around at the moment. Well, I, th- I think the issue that I have is that if you take Batman to that next level where, and I guess the, the Nolan movies do this as well, where he goes from being a guy in a, I guess, some sort of mesh suit um, with a, a limited amount of protection to a guy in a sophisticated armoured suit, then you'd kind of think, well, why would he go through all that lengths to have a sophisticated armoured suit and not have the weapons to back it up? So you'd think he'd have all these fancy weapons, yet he still just jumps around and throws these metal batarangs that bock people on the head. Um, <laughs> but these batarangs have ABS. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So it's like, you know, if you're going to do it, you need to go the whole hog. And if Batman's going to go for this sophisticated armor plating, then he needs, you know, the, the Joe Crusader um, shuriken launcher mounted on his arm. And yeah, anyway, the less we talk about it, the better. Except to say that it looks like they've totally ripped off the um, Mark III Iron Man armor. If you look at the shoulder pauldrons, you look at some of the detailing around the edge of the chest piece. I would love to say that I actually studied it enough to actually pick that up, but I'd be lying. (laughs) I thought the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now with all that silver, it kind of looks like the Batman and Robin Batman. Oh. (laughs) What, what? You shut your mouth. What, what, what movie is this? I haven't heard of this movie before. It does not exist. Oh. Ha ha, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Nanny, nanny, nanny. I, I have unseen it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving right along. Adam, what have you got for us? Yep, so I have a couple of bits and pieces. Um, there's some Alice Madness Returns figures, um, which are based off of a video game of the same name from memory. Uh, so it looks like there's a couple of different versions of Alice herself carrying various bloody implements. And, uh, <laughs> there's uh, a crazy-looking Cheshire cat who looks like he's, you know, been partying a bit too hard. Yeah. Uh, and there's apparently a zombified card guard as well, which yeah. is kind of scary. Oh, that's cool, actually. I really like them. I think they're a lot. They look really fun. Well, in a psychotic kind of way. 
I like how one of her weapons is a giant pepper grinder. Yeah, that's disturbing, really. I don't know how that works. I haven't played the game, so... It's but... such a clever idea, and it's a small company. I just want to get them just to support them. They they looked kind of uh, like late 90s-ish in a different picture set of pictures I saw. Um, I saw some pictures earlier in the week, and they looked a little plain. Um, and I don't know if they were trying to get the video game style out of it or not, you know. I haven't played the yeah, game, so yeah. I'm not sure. So it could be trick lighting or something. It kind of looks that way to me. Mm. Okay. These look these pictures look a lot better, the ones we're looking at, um, than the ones I saw the other day. Do you know if there have been any other figures solicited? Because it would be the sort of sort of series it would be nice to have everybody, but, uh, you know, we don't want a, a sort of Thundercats effort here and you end up with half a, half a group. The The white one? with the the blood all over i know that one was exclusive to somebody but i don't remember who oh, okay probably a san diego comic con one and it's now on ebay for 150 dollars <laughs> <laughs> no oh. i think it was a previews exclusive maybe oh okay okay yeah very good yeah no i quite like those all right adam what else have you got uh, the other thing that I've got, Ben, is the Game of Thrones Tyrion statue. So if anyone out there is not watching Game of Thrones and is above the age of 18, start watching it. <laughs> uh, and and as soon as you do, you'll pretty much be guaranteed wanting to stump up 200 bucks US to go and get a hold of this wonderful, wonderful statue of my man, Peter Dinklage, who I know I kind of implied an in, had an implied insult to in an earlier episode, so sorry, Peter. But, um, yeah, that, it looks really good. And at 10 inches, it's practically one-to-one scale, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, 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 dear. On behalf of all the little people out there listening, we do apologise for Scott. He is sick. I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the virus running through his veins either. <laughs> well, it's interesting, actually, because it was only a half a dozen podcasts ago that we saw the solicitation for the Game of Thrones um, Iron Throne replica and we were commenting that there, despite the popularity of the show, that there wasn't actually a lot of merchandise out there. So it looks like maybe uh, if, you know, Mattel's, um, Mattel's stance of a 16-month production process is anything to go by, then maybe there's a lot of stuff that's currently in the works and, and we'll start to see uh, quite a lot more coming out in the next few, you know, several months. Obviously, you know, people are listening to us and it's just, it's a good response time, really. Well, that's right. Yeah. So I, if we uh, if we phrase it well enough during our vehicles discussion, we might actually get some of those holy grails that we're after. Yeah. I just want to throw it out there that there are not enough Josie and the Pussycats action figures. Um, <laughs> you know, someone really should be picking up that license. So, well, let's see what happens. Thank you very much, Scott. You've just cost me my Mattel Huntress. When, uh... Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, well, moving right along. Sicky the sick boy, uh, did you see anything this week? <laughs> well, I saw it. I had an interesting email this morning from Mattel. Um, first of all, I, I had to laugh because it was extremely personalized. The header line of the email starts like this. Percentage, percentage, first <laughs> underscore name, percentage, percentage, comma. <laughs> a special note to Clobaturnia subscribers. So I, I love the effort that was gone to to personalize that. And, of course, know. You know, they knew that my real name was percentage, percentage, first underscore oh, name. Yes. I wonder how you – I wonder how they knew that because you never use that version. I never do. I, you know, oh. But, you know, I, I, so I ha- hats off to them. But then it said, a quick reminder 
that due to scheduling issues beyond our control, there will be no uh, Masters of the Universe Club Eternia subscription figure for August. Instead, Mechanic expands your collection in September, and then blah, 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 blah. So uh, I had a boss that used to send reminders about things that he'd forgotten to ever tell you um <laughs> but you know at the last minute and say J- just remember that and you'd be like what so I-, I have to say i don't recall ever being told this um but anyway i just love the you know due to scheduling issues beyond our control I- i'm thinking of <laughs> applying this to my profession like you know dear parents due to scheduling issues beyond our control there will be no school in august um, we will resume again in September and just see how that washes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I wonder what the actual issue was. I mean, uh, I'm just imagining that poor old Gertie, our, our one six year old who paints figures in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she just didn't get through the allotment in time or something. Obviously, they're giving her too long to eat. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I actually felt bad that we refer to her about every third podcast, so I, I thought we should actually call her by name. So, And what, what did you name her? Gertie. Gertie. That's a very Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> that, that great Maybe. classic Chinese name, Gertie. It is. Yeah. Maybe they could get her to make the Toy Guru videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd certainly get the sympathy, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that I just threw that in the news because I mean it is if people didn't realize okay yep there's a delay but I just was a bit um, I raised my eyebrow when I was reminded that I don't remember knowing that so there you go maybe I just missed that bit of news um, and then the other thing that I thought was worth talking about now the Diamond Select Star Trek Select line isn't news it was. Uh, premiered with some concept art at Toy Fair earlier in the year, although we didn't report on it. But we've now got in hand, or not in hand, but production piece picks of the first in that line, which is Spock. And these are interesting figures. The concept behind these is that they actually come with swap-out parts to be able to pose the figure differently. So there is a a diorama pose, and this one has Spock kneeling and um, warming his hands on some weird yeah, alien. Yeah, it looks like he's next to an alien bonfire. Yeah, I'm not that, sure what that is, but then that, that's a Horta. Oh, a Horta, oh, of course. From oh, the classic episode, days. from the classic episode, Devil in the Dark. Oh. You can see the little uh, silicone nodule eggs behind Spock's foot in that picture. Of course, I, I am awarding you five nerd points. Outstanding. <laughs> um, but then it, in the original concept art of this, there were swap-out legs, like a different set of legs and arms so that you could ha- pose him just as a f- uh, figure on his own standing. So I don't know whether or not that's still coming because we don't see that here. We just see him with the Horta. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see Diamond Select expanding and doing something different with the... Um, Star Trek license after they cancelled the kind of last couple of solicited waves of the uh, the line a little while ago. So we'll see what happens with these. So I thought that was worth wow. mentioning. And now we all know what a Horta is. Yeah. Now, oh, why I... wouldn't Why Sorry, wouldn't John. they give him his bridge set? You know, why wouldn't they have put him at his bridge station if you're going to do a diorama piece? See, that would have been cool actually because they could have done, you know, given you a huge a bridge diorama by giving you a different piece for every character. Mm. 
That's right. Give him, a swap out head with, give him a swap out head with a beard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they've already done all that. I guess that's why they're um, trying, trying something different. So, Well, I'd, I'd just like to give a shout-out to Diamond Select Toys for, you know, providing you with a figure that comes with interchangeable legs. I mean, so he can sort of kneel down, you know, in front of that bonfire because, I mean, any other company just would have used knee joints. Hmm. Anyway, let's uh, let's mull that over a bit, shall we? Mm. All right. Right. Well, that wraps up articulated news. We'll be right back with the next instalment of the AFB podcast game. Name that. Hi, my name is. Well, now it's time for our latest instalment of the AFB podcast game, Name That, brought to you by John from www.tvandfilmtoys.com. So, John, over to you. Well, thank you very much. Um, Last week I was on the show, so it's kind of odd, but two weeks in a row I'm going to do these things live, um, as I always like to do. And last week we had something that sounded a bit like... Now, before I uh, reveal the sound, do you guys have any any guesses? I know I know Scotty got it right off the air last week, but uh, Ben, uh, Adam? <laughs> that's the I have to confess that's the first time I've heard it, and no. <laughs> Anything, Adam? <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like three potential guesses, and I know it's not one of them. Um, I think it's not the other one, so I'm going to say it's something to do with that horrible movie, The Black Hole. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. Actually, it's a movie, and it, it's quite a bit more modern than that. It's um, as as Scotty correctly guessed. It's a uh, one of the cleanup crew from Monsters Inc. One of the yellow suited guys that comes in and tries to decant, decontaminate the area whenever uh, humans come, cross over. How on earth did you get that, sick boy? <laughs> uh, get- I don't know. It's like- <laughs> <laughs> Because I've heard you talk non-stop about your Monsters Inc. collection. Me? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I I don't have it. It's I think because we we've had we've had another one. You know, we had the George, the George Sanderson one, and uh, right. I I do love that movie. I am a parent of children. You know, I've seen that um, movie <laughs> a, a trillion times. So I guess that's you know. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well done. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, good job. I'll give you a clap. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I try, I'm trying not to sneeze on the air. Sorry, everyone. Well, good, good, good job, and I'll give you a point in the forum for that um, as soon as I go that, over that's there. Not that's, a euphemism. that's not a euphemism, anyone. That, that's I'm, that, that's yeah. a point for the correct guess, not, at, not at a the point actual for the forum. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll move on to this week's sound again. <laughs> Um, we're going to do something live, so um, everybody everybody, hang on here, and we'll play the sound. Mm. And, and we'll, we'll give you one more listen to it. And 
And as always, you know, if you guys have a guest, come on over to the um, Action Figure Blues forum and, and make a guess. Um, like I sometimes give hints. Sometimes I just give cryptic answers if you make a, a guess and it's wrong. But um, as always, you know, come on over and make a guess. It's part of the game. So enjoy. We'll see what if you guys are right next week. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, John. All right. Well, coming up next is our Toy of the Week. Thunder, 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 thunder. Introducing the evil mutant warriors, Rattaro, Soldier Croon the Destroyer, battle against Lion-O and the new Thundercat allies, Hatchiman, Snowman. Tesco Warrior, the battle is on for the Sword of Omen. Figures and vehicles each sold separately from LJF. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. Now, these might be new releases, or we might talk about favourite or even bizarre items from our collection. And this week, I have Toy of the Week, so over to me. <laughs> Thanks for that... Uh, that, that sending, guys. All right. <laughs> okay, so uh, this week um, I'm actually going to be talking about the Sideshow Premium Format Wolverine statue. Uh, if you're not a statue collector, that's probably fairly meaningless, but uh, for those of us that do sort of collect the odd statue, the Premium Format's a bit of a giveaway, I guess. Um, Sideshow, when they hit the market however many years ago it was, they started off pretty strong with some really high-end items, and it was the first time we saw what is now known as the, the premium format statue, and I think the first one was actually the Hulk. And I remember seeing the Hulk in a comics, comic book store in Brisbane, Australia, and it was gigantic. Uh, up until then, I was only familiar with things like Bowen, uh, who is traditionally um, one eight scale, and uh, seeing a, a one quarter scale Hulk premium format statue uh, was was pretty impressive indeed. And um, the premium format at the time implied that there were sort of that little bit extra, I guess. Uh, other than the scale, you usually get fabric uh, somehow involved. So the Hulk actually had fabric pants. And uh, they, they just put that little bit extra in. And it's become a, a bit of a staple now for Sideshow. The premium format um, is, I was almost going to say premium format format, <laughs> but the, the premium format is alive and well with Sideshow. It has changed a little bit recently. With uh, There's been a, a few issues when it's come to the, the clothing components of some statues. So we've noticed that for some of the premium format statues, they've actually been phasing out. The, the cloth elements to the statues and basically they are just sticking to the quarter quarter scale formats so premium format is is now the moniker given to their quarter scale now the sideshow x-men premium format statues um they've been around a little while i think wolverine was actually first he came out i think it was about june or july in 2010 and they seem to average about two per year now, I don't know, Scott, do you actually remember when this statue was solicited? Uh, I don't. I think you're, you're on the money about when it came out, but I don't know how long in advance we knew about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, I, I do actually remember when this was solicited. Uh, Sideshow did actually do another Wolverine uh, premium format statue many years before that. It was pretty close um, to the release of the Hulk, and uh, I, I didn't actually see that one, and I've never seen it since. And I remember when this statue was actually solicited, I wasn't 
overly blown away by the the solicitation. Uh, the pose didn't really grab me immediately. Um, it's Wolverine sort of in his attack mode, I guess. Um, it's uh, you could almost say that that's pretty standard for Wolverine. But uh, Bowen has actually done a Wolverine museum statue or, or a couple of them where he's actually just sort of standing to attention without actually trying to kill anybody. So this statue came and went, and I didn't really pay that much attention to it. And since then, Sideshow have released other premium format statues in, uh, in well, not in the Marvel Universe, but particularly the, the X-Men Universe. They've done a number, including uh, Rogue, Gambit, Cyclops, um, more recently Colossus, and there is actually a Storm statue coming in February 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Did you say so, Cyclops? Oh, and of course, Psylocke, yes. Yeah, I missed Psylocke. So we've had sort of half a dozen statues with Wolverine being first. Um, so I was a bit of a, a latecomer to the premium format X-Men statues, and I uh, I picked up Rogue. Uh, Rogue's one of my favourite characters, and um, I've picked up Psylocke and uh, recently um, Colossus. And... I started to sort of do a bit of a search um, for the Wolverine statue out of curiosity and noticed with uh, very little surprise that on the secondary market uh, he goes for an exorbitant amount of money um, measured in the bazillions. And I didn't really pay that much attention. I just occasionally would see what the odd auction would finish at and, and gasp at the, at the price. And so... Uh, I actually made the mistake one day of doing a search for Wolverine Premium Format, and instead of typing it into eBay.com, I actually typed it into eBay.com.au, and the first thing that came back was a seller in Sydney. And I, the statue had a buy it now price, and I, I hovered a little bit. I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago, and I couldn't quite pull the trigger. It was postage wasn't a great deal because Sydney's not far from where I live. But it was just a little bit out of my price range. So I let it go and uh, out of curiosity, I went back uh, a few days after the auction finished and I noticed that the seller had actually relisted it with an auction price. And the opening bid was considerably less than the buy it now price. So I I watched it and about three days into the auction, I thought, oh, knowing my luck, I always forget about these auctions and and they'll finish when I'm in a meeting at work or something like that. So I'll throw an opening bid that's $5.00 above the starting bid and just see what happens. And sure enough, I actually won the auction and I picked it up for uh, what could only be described as an absolute steal. And uh, so anyway, I've had it for uh, a few weeks now and I uh, obviously got it home and unpacked it and put it all together and it uh, it just exceeded my expectations in every way. It's, um, it is just fantastic. Uh, this was obviously back when um, Gertie was at her finest because um, they, they really have done an amazing job on this statue. There's been some discussions lately um, from an, about a number of manufacturers uh, having slippages in, in quality, um, but this was obviously back when, when Sideshow was really on fire. So anyway, look, getting to the actual statue itself after that little uh, intro... Now, the statue, it it sits at about 17 inches tall to the top of Wolverine's head, and that doesn't sound particularly big, but Wolverine is actually hunched over. Um, If you haven't seen pictures uh, or or can't see the enhanced podcast pictures, um, Wolverine's kind of in his lean-over 
charging forward attack mode. Um, some of the height is recovered because the base is uh, a scenic base. It's a bit of a, it's kind of this weird kind of forest base with some greenery on the ground and he's coming over some rocks and a, a log and leaping forward. Um, it's, it's still very large. Um, quarter scale, if you don't own a quarter scale statue, they really are uh, an imposing size. And, and Scott, you can certainly verify from, say, uh, I think the She-Hulk yeah. would be rather rather big. Yeah. Um, uh, but I guess um, for this particular statue, the, the size, again, is a, a little bit underwhelming because Wolverine is not particularly big. Um, I hope I don't offend any listeners when I talk about statistics, but uh, Wolverine has traditionally been documented as five foot three. So he's only a little fella, and uh, so even in quarter scale, he's not that big. Um, but still, when you, you certainly pose him next to a, a Bowen statue, and actually, if I remember, I'll, I'll take a photo of the statue next to my Bowen one just so you can get a bit of a comparison um, because, yes, we all know the sideshow Apple does a wonderful job of giving you that impression. <laughs> so now he's... Um, the, the main problem you have with premium format statues generally is the weight. Um, so one of the first things, I, I don't know about you, Scott, but when I see new solicitations for statues, you kind of take one look at the statue and wonder how much it'll cost to ship. Um, I recently did that with um, Sideshow's Rhino statue mm. and just decided that um, because quite often you don't get the final shipping price until after you've finished paying for the statue, uh, I didn't want to get sort of a shock and find out that it was going to cost $200 to ship to Australia. Huh. So, all right, well, this guy, he he actually comes in with the base at eight pounds, so about 3.6 kilos. Um, so as I said, he's 17 inches um, seventeen inches tall. Uh, it was a limited edition of 1,000. Now, there is actually a Sideshow exclusive version of this statue, uh, and Sideshow do a very good job with uh, a lot of their exclusives, and this particular statue had a swap-out head or a swap-out portrait, as they call it. Uh, the swap-out portrait actually is just Wolverine without his mask, and uh, I've seen that version on the net, and it didn't really sort of do much for me, so I didn't feel any overwhelming desire to pursue it. So this is just the regular version. Now, this is going back, obviously, to when the premium format statues did contain fabric, and uh, Wolverine's costume is is fabric, basically. Um, the boots, the gloves, and the head are actually sculpted and painted. Uh, however, his actual costume, so from sort of that the neck down uh, to including his belt, uh, is that sort of fake leather belt, and then obviously his pants or, or whatever you call those yellow long johns that he wears. Uh, this is actually the yellow and blue Wolverine as opposed to the brown or the black or the Savage Land or any other costume he's worn over the years. This is the the original Hulk 181 first appearance blue and yellow costume. Now, because it is a large statue, um, he does actually ship in pieces. Uh, anyone who's bought one of these statues knows that there is a little bit of assembly required. Um, the first thing you do is you put Wolverine on his base, but then you actually have to attach both of his hands and uh, his head. Now, Sideshow do a, a, an outstanding job with this sort of thing. They're actually attached with magnets. And uh, I've had a bit of a play with magnets over the years with um, with some of my customising and in particular my wargaming and you can use magnets to, to create swap out weapons and things like that. And they really do do a fantastic job because the magnets are strong enough that they the, the parts could actually survive a bit of a bump without falling off but they're not so tight 
sight that, you know, as you move the the arm towards the stat- statue, it suddenly flings out of your hand across the room and connects to the statue. It's, um, it's actually <laughs> that would nice. That be pretty cool, though. Yeah. I, look, I don't know what the, the technical term for, for magnetic power is, but they, they've certainly got a very good balance as far as um, that particular uh, yeah, feature, I guess. I think it's Gauss. I think magnetic Gauss. fields are measured in Gauss. Is that G-A-U-S-S? I believe so. Ah, outstanding. Another another five nerd points to John. <laughs> All right, moving on. He's um, now the sculpted parts of the costume. As I said, they they are his mask, his gloves, and his boots. Now, the the detailing in the sculpt is is exquisite. Um, instead of just being sort of a, I guess a, a, a flat. Um, you know, without any kind of um, sort of detail, they really have gone to great lengths to sculpt lines and piping and, and all that sort of thing. In fact, the boots, instead of just being sort of a, a slip-on boot, um, they've got all these extra details around the toes and around the heel. Um, it actually sort of reminded me of the sort of thing that Salvador La Roca, the, um, the artist who's working at Marvel at the moment, might do with those little extra bits. Um, the sculpting is, is very, very nice and very, very detailed. Uh, it really does stand out. Um, the good thing is particularly the yellow on, on his mask uh, on, that sort of covers his head, they've actually done a very good job of matching that colour to the actual cloth of the costume, which never actually occurred to me until I realised when I was taking the head out and it was painted and I thought, oh, okay, that, that's something they'd actually have to work quite closely to, to do. So it does actually match very, very well and, and there's no sort of obvious contrast between the colours. Um, the paint really is flawless particularly i mean obviously you know with the the head you've got sort of the yellow that covers his scalp etc but wolverine as we know is a bit of a hairy fellow he doesn't tend to shave very often and they've really done some great work in just sort of getting that that shading of the stubble and in particular his mouth is open as if he's roaring and you can really see the detail with the teeth and the tongue inside the mouth they haven't actually um just sort of slapped some pink in there they've made a bit of an effort um, and that also includes just the, I guess, the, the wash and the, the weathering on his boots and his gloves. So that looks amazing. But I think the, the piece de resistance with this statue uh, has to be his claws. Um, they are just perfect. Now, uh, I'm a long-time Wolverine fan, have been for many, many years, and Wolverine's claws are... They're, they're depicted in many different ways. It's one of those things that seems to come down to um, artistic interpretation. And so long as he has three and they're coming out of his hands, uh, Marvel seem to let artists do what they like. Um, and I've always been a fan of the blades as opposed to the round claws. Uh, and he does actually have the blades, but they're not so thick that they look like carving knives. Um, now, I think they're metal. I was kind of having a play, but I didn't want to kind of tweak and pull and shift them too much in case I, I broke something. But um, whatever they are, they do actually have some weight to them. Um, they are chromed. They, they do look uh, as if they're silver and, and chromed as opposed to being just painted silver. But the thing that you really notice is they're actually really, really sharp because they do have that blade and they, they come down to a point on the end. Those points are quite sharp. And when you actually open the box, the each of the, as I said, from the, the forearm, uh, from the elbow joint down, um, they're actually separate pieces. And the end of the uh, claws actually are stuck in a piece of polystyrene. 
So, and I just assumed that that was to protect them, but now I've actually realized that's to protect the person taking them out of the box. Right. So, um, they, they, they really are exquisite the way they've done them and um, they've just got a nice little curve to them as, as well. And, I mean, if we've all got our, our particular, um, oh, let's, let's just say peculiarities when it comes to our favourite characters. We do like to see them uh, rendered a, a specific way and um, as far as Wolverine's claws go, they've just nailed them perfectly for me. So... Um, what else was I going to say? I think that really sort of sums up most of it. I think the only downsides to it, if there are any negatives for this statue, one is that on the back of his costume, I guess um, it's sort of towards his middle, the middle of his back, um, there are actually some black spots. Um, I, I don't imagine that that's something that, that came from the previous owner. It, it almost looks like machine oil perhaps, um, that they oh. managed to put a couple of drops on his back. Fortunately, it's on his back where you can't see them. Um, so I will do a bit of hunting around on the net to see if there's, or maybe even contact sideshow themselves to ask if um, there's any anything they can suggest to do that. Um, but other than that, I, I can't pick any flaws. Like even just the, the detailing on the hairs of his arms are, um, are just fantastic. And particularly around the mask, like there's no slop. Um, quite often you get slop when, especially on a black mask with white lenses. Um, whenever there's a white lens, you can often get slop on the surrounding part of the mask. But they've actually managed to uh, do that very, very well. Mm. So if you were, um, for your dolly rating, what are you going to give this? Uh, if if this statue stood on its own and you weren't going to stand um, any of the other X-Men statues with him, I, I would be – I could probably give him a 10. Right. Um, it is just – it is a beautiful statue. I can't believe that I, I put off getting it. The pose looks a little odd. I've, I've mm. uh, provided a link in our non-existent script for you guys to have a look at, and <laughs> it, it is a bit of a peculiar kind of – it's like he's lunging and then changed his mind halfway through, but but when you actually see it in the flesh, so to speak, it's um, it really is um, a good-looking statue. But I'm going to take a point off, and I'm going to give it nine because – the subsequent um, premium format statues, the X-Men statues, now come on a standard sort of base. It's a, a round um, a round base that's black with a big red X on it. Um, Scott, you'd know because yes. um, yeah. Rogue and that sort of thing come on those bases. So if you wanted to stand them all together, you'd have them on these uniform bases and then there's Wolverine on this very odd uh, forest base, but my understanding is Cyclops is also on a uh, uh, an unusual base. He's sort of he's, and, he's and Storm is on a different type of base as well. She's not coming on an X either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, in that case, I'll give him that one point back. I'm going to give this guy. <laughs> I'll give him ten out of ten. <laughs> oh, good on ya. Good on ya. I, I was kind of wondering if um, you know they're really trying to make this more of the the solo Wolverine rather than the X Men Wolverine. And that's why they gave him that base. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I mean, swap out bases aren't um, aren't uncommon now. Um, I, I don't imagine you'd be able to get a dynamic pose like this with a with that X base that that came with Rogue or, or Colossus. Um, you'd kind of end up with that sort of weird squatting 
sort of thing. So then again, he was actually the first of the X-Men to come out in this series. So um, maybe at that point they just decided to go with this kind of base and then change their mind for the others. So I, I actually like that base because of the, the maple leaves on it, going back to his, you know, Canadian Alpha Flight type roots. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, look, it's uh, it's certainly exquisite on the eye. Um, you know, I, I won't be going out of my way to try and cast him. I, I was actually contemplating um, taking a copy of, say, Rogue's X base and painting it up and then just sitting Wolverine with that base on the X base just to add some uniformity to them. But um, since I'm notoriously lazy, uh, I'll put that in the, the to-do pile. So. I mean, at least they didn't go with a, uh, you know, a sentinel head, which is what he's normally yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty much done with the uh, the sentinel heads. So yeah, so that wraps up the toy of the week. So when we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. The name is Max. I'm a skater blader. One slice for me, and it's see you later. Chester is my name, and I like food. I like to squeeze bad guys with my wrestling moves. My name is Angus. Gus to my pals. I'll make anything into an arsenal. Cornelius is my name. Samurai's my thing. Fight like a warrior. Sing like the king. They call me Cliff, and I like to climb. Put the drop on bad dudes anytime. We're the Stone Protectors. Our stones of power glow. We're all here because we collect, so Feeding the Addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders we made. And kicking off things this week and probably blowing out the podcast running time by at least 15 minutes, Adam, you've got a bumper crop. Yep, so I got my lovely big box from Big Bad Toy Store, which is always fun, um, and a couple of other little bits and pieces from eBay. So from eBay, I got the Marvel Universe um, Toys R Us 2-pack wave. I think it's wave 12 or something. So you get the... X-Men Magneto costume, which came with, I don't know, one of the issues of X-Men versus Avengers. Um, it's not quite accurate, but sure, we'll go with that. Brown and yellow Wolverine, another red and blue Spider-Man, another classic Captain America colours cap. Um, you get, if you haven't already got the Rhino from the Spider-Man line, you get Batguy, but slightly repainted and without the giant spiky shoulder pads. Mm, um, cool. You get fan, uh, the, sorry, the FF Doctor Doom and the FF uh, Black Costume Spider-Man. And the other one that makes it worth getting is you get the first um, She-Hulk for the line. Wow. Oh, cool. Glorious 80s colours. Oh, uh, okay. That's cool. So, yeah, got the Masters of the Universe, Masters of Evil 3-pack. Um, I got the Wave 18, I think it is, of Marvel Universe. So the, I think it's the first one for the year, which has... Um, the new sculpt of Hulk, it's got um, Beta Ray Bill, Craven, Spider-Man, which I think was labelled as Ultimate Spider-Man in some of the solicits. You can either get standard Spidey red and blue colours or you can get the um, variant, which I was lucky enough to get, which is our new ethnic friend Spider-Man. <laughs> and uh, so you get Astonishing Beast, which is the, I think, Warren Ellis Astonishing Beast beast rather than the um, Joss Whedon and Cassidy, Astonishing Beast. Yep. Uh, what else have I got this week? Bunch of hardcovers and trades. I got the Unit 5 Neon Genesis Evangelion thing from Revoltech. I got thing. The Evangelion <laughs> thing. Yeah. Such technical language. 
those that have seen the movies, it's the one where there's like, I don't know, 13, I think it probably is, of them, um, and they're all white and they have wings. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I only know that because you have educated me about this stuff, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got the... Um, Sega had a line of Neon Genesis stuff at one point. They're like, I don't know, maybe three inches. So I got one of those of the first angel that crops up in the show. Um, I got the Play Out Street Fighter figures for Chun-Li, Ryu, Kami, and Akuma, wow. which, which is, you know, I guess payback from Scott for um, <laughs> buying a bunch of stuff on my recommendations from comic <laughs> And for a friend, I also got uh, DCUC Classics Batman and Red Robin chucked in. And that's me for probably the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I feel so, um, so, yeah. Gee, wow. (laughs) I saw, when I was up in Brisbane a couple of weekends ago, I saw the Street Fighter Cami one. I didn't buy it because my my Chun-Li is on my um, shelf at work and... It's it's a bit crowded, so, but I, I I thought it was I thought it was nice. I thought it was very nice. Yeah, it looks very good. Ryu looks a little bit like his face has face has been pushed in, but yeah, otherwise very good looking. <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. All right. Yeah. No, I got a question on the on the beast. Was he packaged upside down? Yes. Cool. Is that a variant or something? Or well, people are wondering. I I heard some rumblings. They're wondering if there's a variant of that. So. Um, mm. I wasn't sure. That's why I was asking. Packaging variants don't do it for me, so yeah, you know, he's coming out of there. <laughs> he's got articulated toes too, I think, right? He does, which I think is probably the first for the line. But they've done that. Huh. Very nice, Adam. Very nice. All right, John. Anything for you? Yeah, I wandered over to the local Toys R Us this weekend. Um, they're clearancing a lot of stuff right now. And some of it's in one area, and they've got clearance stickers all over the place. But they were uh, clearancing out the their South Park figures from Mezco. And so I picked a couple of those up because I have a couple of Cartmans, and I have a couple of Kennys and some others. But I, I didn't have a Stan and a Kyle, and they had those, so I, I picked those up. Ah, so you completed the uh, the game. Yeah, I had to do that. Good on you. Good on you. I, I just like the fact that you said that Toys R Us had South Park figures because, you know, <laughs> I have to go on your reputation alone. Otherwise, I wouldn't believe you because our Toys R Us wouldn't stock them. Toys R Us have toys now? Yeah, that's yeah, right. amazing. No, mostly, mostly nappies. Yeah, mm. mostly nappies. They had all sorts of mini-mates this trip too, and uh, it, it was hard. Yeah, it, it was hard fighting back the, the urge to get a bunch of mini mates. They they had the uh, one of the new Spider Man ones has the spider sense, but it looks like he's got hair that's on fire. <laughs> I just I picked it up, looked at it, and I'm like, no, I, I, that's that's not for me. That's his, that's his new um, new power in the Marvel Now universe. Mm. Yeah, he's got the flaming hair. Spo- <laughs> right. Spoiler alert, everyone! Some kind of Ghost Rider crossover, I guess. I'm not sure. Well, I, I must admit I nearly keeled over in my local Toys R Us when I wandered in this week, and they actually had the three and three quarter and six inch Thundercats figures. But really? Was, uh, yeah, about sort of nine months after the rest of the world. But uh, yeah, they, hey, those are clearance here, I think. Oh, good, good. 
<laughs> well, uh, the six-inch figures were twenty-five dollars each, so I didn't have any uh, overwhelming desire to purchase them on the spot. So, all right. Well, moving on, Scott. What about yourself? I actually did not get anything new this week, um, but I did fail to report last week that I also got the SDCC Masters of Evil Marvel Universe pack that um, someone very kindly picked up for me and sent me, and I haven't opened it yet, but they look great. Um, but I am shaking in my boots, or rather my wallet is shaking in my um, pocket, because next week there are three Bowen pieces being released that I have ordered. So this, <laughs> I'm like far out. This is you know, one of the things about Bowen where you know they solicit stuff and um, it's usually delayed because of factories, etc. So you can't predict this stuff. I haven't Don't had... go blaming Gertie. Yeah, Gertie, that's right. You know, she can only do so much at once. And yeah, so uh, next week, according to their website, they are shipping uh, Union Jack, Sunfire, and Rogue. And I have ordered all of those. So <laughs> far out. The only um, the only redeeming thing is that Father's Day. In Australia is the first Sunday in September, which is different from the American Father's Day, which gets me in trouble with my American dad every year, because um, I forget. the. So at least Father's Day is coming up, so that I've just said to the family, there will be no shopping for Father's Day, because <laughs> I will have spent enough. So I'll just, I will wait until... Hopefully they'll be here in time, and I'll be able just to say, here, give me this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so no, nothing... Nothing new this week, but that is a really good thing because I'm about to be spending a lot of money. So does that mean you'll be lugging three boxes home from your local comic shop? Uh, I've actually ordered them from Big Bad Toy Store. I, oh, okay. Because these are some before, like, my my local comic shop, I've only just kind of started ordering Bowens through um, because my, my, new, my new shop, because they were uh, not really doing toys and stuff when they first opened. And, yep. um, and sometimes, too, with some of the Bowen pieces – they if they get allocated through previews, it's the little shops that only order one or two that miss out. Yeah, yeah. So if there are ones that, um, ones that I'm you know worried might sell out, I get them from Big Bad, and also ones that I might be a bit on the fence about, I order through Big Bad because you can always cancel. Yeah. yeah. Whereas obviously once I've ordered through my local comic shop, I wouldn't cancel because I wouldn't want to let them down. So. Yeah. No, no, I'll be getting them through my new post office that I. Since I moved jobs, I moved my post office box, and um, the the post office box at Brighton North in Victoria would be a great basis for a sitcom because the people that work there are absolutely hysterical, <laughs> and um, that they they have the most ridiculous parcel system you have ever seen. Where when you go and you you say you don't get a, you don't get one of the standard Australia Post parcel cards. You get little laminated cards that they've especially made that, you know, say you have a parcel. <laughs> and that some are green and some are red. And I guess it's all supposed to be color coded, but it doesn't help because they always, I always say to them, it's a big box. But they always start with the little registered letters and everything. Oh, and because yes. they're all about 103, the people that work there. And so <laughs> there's, no, there's no kind of dissuading them from their path. So sometimes I'm just there going, it's a big box. It's a big box. It won't be there. It's a big <laughs> box. It won't be there. <laughs> so no, uh, I'll be carrying yeah. it from there. Oh, uh, it means you'll have a, a nice little story to go with each new edition. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, for me, it was a pretty uh, pretty quiet week. I just got my uh, Club Infernal Crisis figures. Um, that was a, an interesting little uh, a little adventure too. Speaking of post offices, because I had ordered some back issue comics and I got a little note in the mailbox to say I had a package to go and pick up. And when I got there, they actually handed me two packages and I didn't think much of it. And so I came home and then the next day there was another little card in my mailbox saying that I needed to pick up a package. So I'm not thinking about it. I wandered in and handed it to them and they looked everywhere and couldn't find it anywhere. And they rang the, the, the driver of the van and he said he'd returned it to the post office and they couldn't find it. And they said they'd call me. And four days later, they still hadn't called me. So then I called them and they said that, oh, no, according to this, it's been delivered. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I actually went rummaging through my uh, my recycling and got the boxes out and I matched the card, the, the number on the barcode to one in the, the recycling. And sure enough, they had actually handed me two boxes but somehow had delivered the cards to my mailbox a day apart. So, <laughs> so yes. But anyway, one of those boxes was actually my Mattel Club Infernal Crisis, Rocket Red, and Starman, and good grief, Rocket Red is gigantic. Uh. Uh, honestly, I um, when it was all when all the discussions were happening and the pictures first came out and everyone was moaning and in Ask Maddie, people were saying, you know, how could you let us down by not even considering doing Rocket Red on a, a normal buck? I thought, geez, guys, calm down. Like, you know, it's not that big a deal, is it? <laughs> well, yeah, it is, Mattel. He's friggin' enormous. <laughs> Um, there's really, I mean, he, he really is a gigantic figure. There's, there's absolutely no way you could just sort of go, well, you know, maybe he's just in a really big suit. It's like, no, no, he's, he's a man who's nine feet tall. So that was a bit disappointing. But on the other hand, Starman is actually a very nice figure. So I thought that was well executed. So yes. All right. Well, if no one has any other items to report, it's time to award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. What is this bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, a complete fail action figure, or worse. And handing out the penalty this week is John, so over to you. Thank you very much. Um, this week I want to give the, the red card to actual playing cards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as strange as it may sound. There, there's a lot um, of those. Is that... <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, this week like I was at Walmart. All actual playing cards that have ever existed, or no, no, just some very specific ones. Okay, I'll shut up. Okay. I'm, no, I'm sick. <laughs> you have my sympathy. Okay. Um, I was walking down the Walmart aisle, and they at the end of the action figure aisle, they had a display for some playing cards that uh, they had the. Wounded Warrior Project logo on the the front of the box, and they said a a portion of the proceeds would go to the charity. Um, it's a charity we have here in the states for um, soldiers that have returned from uh, combat zones that are injured and and, and may need you know rebuild, rehabilitation or or just help adjusting. Good idea. Um, which, which is a worthy cause to me, and I'm mm. like, oh, I'll I'll pick up some cards, you know, and and so I pick them up and I got home and opened them. And I was expecting them to all have the the Wounded Warrior logo on the the back of them, but they're regular playing cards on the back, and only the Ace of Spades has the logo on it instead of the large, typical Ace that you see. So um, 
yeah, that, that kind of irritated me that I would, you know, buy just a regular deck of cards for, you know, uh, a charity. So uh, that they get my red card for my, my ire over over their packaging deception. That is, yeah, that's very very odd, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can assume that 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 would save them a fortune in production costs because uh, you don't actually have to tool up to do. Um, the entire 52 cards in a deck, you're only doing you know, the same card, so um, that, that cuts it down considerably. But, um, you know, you, you could kind of certainly advertise just just what you're getting. Now, the Wounded Warrior logo, that's actually a, a soldier carrying another soldier, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a, just a, a silhouette. And, you know, it, it's it's a very strong logo. I mean, it's, it's very recognizable and... Um, you know, it was a black and white front to the box, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of a neat, neat thing." And it 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 would be kind of nice to have some cards that are. I like to have them that are unique, you know, so you're just not playing with the same thing all the time. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now I don't want to state the obvious, but but John, if you and I were playing poker uh, and I was sitting opposite you at a table, doesn't that mean I could actually sit there and go, "Oh, John's got the Ace of Spades." No, it's it's on the back side, the regular side, <laughs> on the face, <laughs> on the on the face, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So, what's on the on the reverse side? It's just a regular blue, you know, the the card back that's been on regular playing cards for as long as probably playing cards have been around. The herring uh, thing. Yeah. How bizarre. Yeah, I would have thought you'd have the the Wounded Warrior logo replacing that. You'd actually have a well, that's that's really what I expected. You know, if that's all I really wanted was that they be you know look like that, and mm. wasn't what I got. And, and I actually, after I opened them, I looked, and there's like small print on the back, you know, and it actually says you know regular standard playing deck, and I was like, well, that's just kind of <laughs> the fine print, yeah. Hmm. You know, if you buy, if you buy a Star Wars, you want go ahead, Al. Some kind of marketing thing as well as that, right? I mean, you're not going to bring any awareness by having one card in a 52 card deck that has anything to do with your charity. Well, yeah, and that's exactly it. Um, you know, you if you support a charity, you want to support them and not and get something for it, not just a a, a plain. Oh, here we're just going to sell you this regular item. And we're going to get part of the proceeds. You want to get something out of it. Very unusual. All right, guys, they need to try harder next time. All right, well, whichever manufacturer made these cards, get your act together because this week you get our red card. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, coming up after that well-deserved fail is our discussion topic of the week. Dressed this way, she's a Navy Wayne. But beneath that uniform, she is the Wonder Woman doll. And now you can create your own Wonder Woman adventures with these other dolls. Major Steve Trevor, Nubia, Wonder Woman, Super Foe. Gotcha, Major. Wonder Woman, hurry! I'll save you, Major. As soon as I talk, you will say. Wonder Woman, Major Steve Trevor, and Nubia dolls sold... Well, this week, the AFB discussion topic of the week is vehicles. Just that, vehicles, action figure vehicles. It's one we've been saving for a while now. We knew it was pretty epic, and we certainly got some fantastic feedback. And 
I guess any collector would agree that uh, a good action figure line can be made great with the addition of a well-executed vehicle. And they've been around almost long, as long as action figures, and they come in all shapes and sizes. But uh, while some lines are legendary for their vehicles, others cry out for a single much-wanted inclusion all right, guys, this is a pretty epic one, but let me start off by just throwing it over to each of you and ask you, when you think of action figure vehicles, what's the what's the line that comes to mind straight away? So, John, what about you? Probably G.I. Joe. You know, I mean, that whole line has was originated, at least the modern one. If you look at the original brochure, there there was like seven vehicles and accessories to 12 figures. So, you know, I mean, it, it was intended to be a vehicle line and it, they made everything from motorcycles to aircraft carriers. So it, it's just epic in the scale of the vehicles they produced. And they've never really let up, have they? It's even today, they still bring out new and interesting stuff. They do, but, you know, you don't see the, the, the breadth, I think, that you used to see. You know, you don't see all the crazy vehicles. And, and even today, a lot of their vehicles are taken from the same molds that, um, yes, you know, they've been using yeah. for years. Yeah, actually, uh, um, Tyrock, who's a, a member of AFB, he's a big G.I. Joe fan, and, and he was saying how they're still cranking out uh, a lot of the same moulds, and, and in particular some of the cheap Chinese lines that appear on overseas markets are actually using G.I. Joe or Hasbro moulds. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. look good enough. I mean, they still hold up a lot of them, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, 25 years later we've still got uh, you know, some of these vehicles on the shelf, you can go buy them today or whatever. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sure we'll touch on G.I. Joe during the rest of the discussion. So, um, Adam, what about yourself? What comes to mind? Well, it's like discount Transformers to some extent because, you know, they kind of were vehicles. Um, Mask is the next thing that comes to mind. I mean, they had pretty much... I don't think you could even buy single-carded figures or anything with that line. I can't remember because it was, you know, back when I was a wee lad. Um but yeah, I think it was pretty much you bought a vehicle and the vehicle came with the figure. So every yeah, every character had a vehicle. Yeah, they were very closely lined and uh, they certainly did a good job of selling that in the, the cartoon because it translated pretty well to the action figure line. Yeah. All right, Scott, and something for yourself? Uh, I'd probably have to go Star Wars mm. uh, because in terms of you know what I have personally owned... Um, I've never been a big vehicles person, but certainly back in the day, um, I had quite a few Star Wars uh, of the you know the um, vehicle side of things. So for me, that would be what I would think of first. Yeah, certainly for me, Star Wars is the one that that came to mind straight away. I mean, GI Joe obviously because of um, of Tyrox collection that I've seen in person, but for me, it's definitely Star Wars. Now, do you remember what the first vehicle you ever got? Oh. Probably the um, uh, land speeder. Ah, me too. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty exciting stuff. It was it was very cool. Yeah, because it had that little bouncy motion with the yes. uh, the wheels, so that you could actually sling it across the floor. Yeah, and you could put R two G two into it, which is very groovy. Yeah, it even had the little flip up sort of boot at the front, and uh, yeah, wow. How how amazing! Yeah. <laughs> what about you, John? What, what's the first one that came that, that you remember getting? You know, I actually remember getting. Um, it wasn't Mego. I think it was LJN did a, a couple of figures for Emergency, the show Emergency. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. had that or not, but they did the the paramedic 
you know, firefighting vehicle. And, and I remember having that as a kid and there was just a ton of accessories with it. And, um, mm. you know, that was kind of cool because, because even with the Mego stuff, they tended to do a lot of those type of vehicles. You know, if you look at the Mego line, there's the Batmobile and some other things for their, their larger figures. So, uh, it was kind of neat because those things were big, you yeah. know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And what about you, Adam? Was it mask or something else? I reckon it could have been the 80s superpowers Batmobile. I'm trying to think. We would have had that before we had Voltron, before we had Mask. So the only other contenders is some of the He-Man, Masters of the Universe stuff, which was like the... Was it a battle ram? Was a battle ram the thing that was the dragon thing? Um, that's a fair comment. Yeah. Um, and then the horse and battle cat and panther and blah, blah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so of course, Masters of the Universe did a fairly good job of cranking out uh, their share of vehicles. And uh, I suppose, I mean, you know, vehicles can be good, vehicles can be bad. So what, what makes a good vehicle? So what, and something that you pick up for a line, what, what is the difference between a, a win and a fail for you? Uh, John, what, what do you look for? You know, for me, it really... I actually like smaller vehicles, and a lot of people aren't probably going to like me saying that. But, um, you know, if you've got a vehicle, you want to be able to move it around. And, and I think that that both Star Wars and G.I. Joe did a really good job of having both a smaller vehicle, like some of the Star Wars mini rigs or the G.I. Joe motorcycles, or and then going up to progressively bigger vehicles. Um, because, you know, you, you, the Millennium Falcon's a neat vehicle. But it's impossible to move the thing around, and a, a vehicle should be able to move around, I think. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, I've actually got that, the the Millennium Falcon, the one that uh, Justin actually reviewed on uh, the podcast a little while back. Uh, and it is. It's big. It's it's a gigantic vehicle, and it is amazing. It's it's certainly the, the best vehicle I've ever owned as far as, I guess, that interactivity and that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm also a big guy. So I'm sort of envisioning, you know, an eight or a nine year old with this, with this figure. I can't see him running up and down the street carrying the, uh, the Millennium Falcon, um, you know, trying to uh, relive the movie or something like that. It's certainly, and I guess that would apply to then the, the granddaddy of them all, the USS flag. Uh, it makes you wonder what kids actually did with that. Did, did they have it permanently set up or, um, yeah, to me that's that's more a playset than a vehicle because it, it, yeah. it, once you set it up, you're you're not moving it. You know? it's, <laughs> that's right. It, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, true. What about you, Adam? What what makes a good vehicle for you? I think it's got to be something that you care about. So, for example, like a if they put out a Marvel universe that was I don't know, like someone driving a Jeep. So, for example, let's say they went for the nineties. X-Men series where Wolverine, for some inexplicable reason, drove a Jeep. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't care. But if you put out, you know, the Blackbird or something like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna care about it. So that's important. Um, the other one is that it actually looks good as a, as a vehicle. So it looks good as kind of from any angle. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, you've got to be able to play with it. Like it's got to be able to do something more than just sit there on a shelf. Yeah. 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 What about you, Scott? What What are the things you look for? Yeah, I think for me it has to be something that uh, I have a connection with, like Adam said, and be not just a 
adaptation of, but a really good representative of that thing. So, like I said, you know, this is, vehicles is not really my thing, but things that would grab me would be something like a blue beetle bug or, um, you know, a, a Legion time bubble that I have a real connection with and that has meaning to me and has been done uh, as a faithful adaptation. So that's what I would be looking for. Yeah, that, I guess that's something that certainly seemed to come up in a lot of the responses we got on, on the forums and also uh, through Facebook, etc. And, and that is the, I guess, the relevance uh, of the vehicle. And that's something that I was certainly going to raise in that uh, it, it, adds, it does actually have to have meaning. And uh, I think for me, the examples there are, I was just at the right age to be collecting Star Wars figures, the original Star Wars figures. And I had a number of vehicles and... I don't know. I had the original Snowspeeder, and that was far and away my favourite vehicle because I, I loved Empire Strikes Back, and the Hoth scene uh, is still amongst one of my favourite sort of cinematic moments, I guess. And mm. um, and for having the Snowspeeder, I, I never actually had the ATAT, um, so you know I used to imagine I had an ATAT to interact with the the Snowspeeder, but at the same time. Uh, a lot of those companies that had the Star Wars licenses, um, Kenner, et cetera, were cranking out vehicles that were completely unrelated to um, the, any of the films. The the mini rigs come to mind. Um, I had a number of the mini rigs that I used to get as Christmas presents from family members, etc. And the one that comes to mind is the Imperial one that um, uh, the name escapes me at the moment, but it was essentially like a steamroller. Uh, does anybody remember that? It had the two big steamroller type wheels with these hinges, so you could push it down and spring it up. It was yeah, uh, I I just reviewed was, that not that long ago. <laughs> it was the most peculiar vehicle. It served no practical purpose whatsoever unless um, you used a huge laser on the floor, on the front to to blast your enemy, and and then just as an insult to their family, you'd actually crush the corpse as uh, you steamrolled over it. It was just <laughs> the most it was the most bizarre thing, and so I, I certainly didn't have the attachment to that that I did to something like the Snowspeeder, and I think the only exception was the. Um, uh, the mini rig that was, I think it was called the MLC, the Mobile Laser Cannon, the little sort of um, tracked vehicle with the two guns sticking out the front, a little sort of clear dome on the top that you could put one figure in. Uh, I actually thought that was quite uh, quite amazing. But um, look, as I said, we, we threw, as usual, we, we throw these uh, discussion topics out to the uh, collecting community and certainly when it comes to relevance um, or, or meaning, the, the Batmobile came up in um, any number of responses. Um, Julian James, or Julian Big Daddy James, as he's uh, called on Facebook, <laughs> mentioned the, the superpowers Batman from the 80s. Um, and that, that came up uh, certainly on, on Critical Mess as well, where it was um, mentioned. Yeah, that, so. that's the one. That, the Superpowers Batmobile is the one that um, my two kind of things I remember from childhood really wanting and not getting, that was one, and the original Star Wars AT-AT was the other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and Marvel made a certain mention of the, the Mego Batmobile, but in addition to that, the um, the Copter and the Batcopter and the Bat Cycle that came out as well, so uh, as amongst his favourites. Um, and uh, interestingly, he also mentioned the Fantastic Car 
from the Fantastic Four movie line. And um, that that was actually pretty impressive because the Marvel-related lines have been pretty sparse um, when it comes to vehicles, certainly in that sort of six-inch line. So the fact that we actually got one is is actually pretty impressive. And he actually mentions that it was the non-bathtub-style Fantastic Car, which is you know kind of cool and kind of not cool, I guess. <laughs> so... Yeah, and just uh, having looked through some of the other responses, we um, we of course mentioned the uh, the the wish lists, uh, which we we got a lot of comments. But um, it was actually a fellow podcaster Andy who talked about his um, collection of bat-related vehicles um, as uh, amongst his favourites. All right. Well, sort of moving on to some of the other aspects. Um, what what are some of the lines that that you guys think uh, are desperately in need of vehicles or, or more vehicles? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so could because... we then could could we agree then that that vehicles just really do add a, a whole new dimension to a line? Uh, are you saying that you know any line that you're collecting, whether it was um, whether it was Muppets or whether it was Marvel Universe, you'd you'd love to have vehicles to go with them? I, I think so. I you know I mean especially for like some of the the action related lines, you know they just seem. I remember you used to go to Toys R Us and you'd have like half an aisle of figures and then half an aisle was like these box vehicles and stuff. And now you go and it's just one big row of just peg figures. Mm. You, you don't see the, the assortment of these vehicles and stuff anymore. So I, I just, it, it's kind of sad, but it's just tooling costs. You know, they don't want to tool up a, a vehicle to, you know, make a little bit of money when they can put a figure out there and maybe repaint it and, and, and milk them all. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And uh, Grayson on Critical Mess mentioned the Masters of the Universe Classics Wind Raider that we got res- recently. Um, so I guess in the scheme of things, given tooling costs and, and the lack of vehicles that, that we get these days, that's actually a pretty um, pretty monumental release, really. Uh, that thing's amazing. I, I, yeah. I'm not a, a Masters collector, but I, I was watching a video review on that, and it's just... Uh, they, they did a fantastic job on it. Yeah, yeah. One that um, that that I had as a kid that, uh, and and this was sort of leading back into, I guess, what makes a good vehicle. Um, for me, a vehicle, I, I really, I, I like a higher level of, of interactivity. Um, I mean, some of the vehicles that you can get are basically just, a, I guess, a plastic shell. Um, they, they serve a purpose, they, they look like what they're supposed to look like and, and there's not much else, but then you get those vehicles that go above and beyond that have lots of moving parts and, and hidden cavities and doors that open and lights and sounds and all that sort of thing. And one of the ones that I had as a, as a kid was the uh, Micronauts Space Cruiser. Does, does anyone remember that one? That one you could reconfigure, right? Yeah. Ways. Yeah, absolutely. I've um, I've posted a picture of it on on Critical Mess, and uh, mine's actually in storage somewhere. I really should dig it out. But that thing, it um, it, it it was modular. The if you have a look at all the pieces that it came with, they all have little sockets that are the same size, and the whole thing was covered with these little holes, and you could just move everything around. There was a little radar dish and a, a sort of a, a robotic sort of claw, and um, yeah, you could just change and move bits around and, and you could take the um, 
they came with these sort of missile pods and you could have those up on sort of the tail fin or you could move them onto the, the main chassis of the space cruiser and um, it was really kind of wacky for the time and uh, looking at it in the picture, you, I don't know whether you can see the, the picture, but the, the the outer wings have these handles that look... Um, Oddly enough, like pistol grips, and that is because they did actually detach and the missiles that went in them, um, you could actually sort of run around the house using these things as guns and, and <laughs> shooting missiles at the cat and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got... And, I mean, it was motorised as well. It had a, a cord attached oh, wow. to it and there was a, a little control box and you could actually sit there and it would move around the floor very slowly and clunkily and get stuck on carpet and things like that. Um, it, the, it was um, really amazing. The most recent GI Joe Vamp, the the Jeep vehicle, um, they've actually got peg holes all over it that you can peg like backpacks and accessories into. Ah, um, okay. Which is kind of cool, you know. You, you can have the storage or or guns. There's some of the guns that have the pegs that match up to them, which is kind of neat. It's a neat idea, and I, and I don't know that everybody quite realizes that you can do that with them. There's just these holes all over this vehicle, and, and I, I they. I don't know that they've actually done enough to, to you know, peg into it to make it worthwhile, but it's kind of a neat idea. Is that something that's new to G.I. Joe, or is that something they've done sort of on and off over the years? I, I think they've probably done it off, on and off over the years, but for me it was something new. Um, the most recent His Tank has a couple of those peg holes in it as well. Yeah, but it, yeah, because of the design of that vehicle, it it doesn't lend itself to it like the 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 military very utilitarian looking Jeep does. So yeah, because yeah, our buddy Eric's uh, mentions on AFB that uh, amongst his favourites are the uh, is the armoured personnel carrier from the, the vintage um, GI Joe line. Um, he doesn't actually go into any detail as to why, but uh, I just wonder what sort of level of interactivity or, or I don't know, maybe it just has a holds a special memory for him. Yeah, I think that one probably holds a special memory for him because that one, um, it'll float, but it doesn't have any real features or, or shooting features. It has about, I think, 20 seats in it, and it's got pegs lined up in the bottom of it. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. Unless you get the... Um, the British had a different version of it uh, for Action Force, and I don't yeah. know which one you guys would have got down there, but it actually had a different back, and you could put a stretcher and stuff in the back. And I, I can't—I've never even seen one, so I, I'm not even sure. I know it's different. And I know it has some other play features in the back compared to the U.S. one. Yeah, that, that's certainly something that stood out to me uh, as vehicles that, of course, that you can actually get a sort of a number of um, figures into. And, and I guess like that armoured personnel character, um, Ernest Madison said on Facebook that the vintage Star Wars Imperial Troop Transport is amongst one of his favourites. And um, certainly a friend of mine had one of those, and you could really stack in the, the figures into that thing. Mine is actually sitting in pieces not all that far from me. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the little sound box in it because depending on which version of it you had, one of the versions you could get, and it has a little tiny record player in it, and it would play yeah. sound. And uh, that's not quite working right in mine, so uh, it's it's under <laughs> repair at the moment. It's been for a long time. But that that's a neat vehicle. I'd love to see them redo that because uh, kind of like you said, you know, vehicles that hold more than one figure, um, like the Snowspeeder and, and the other ones, I, I think those are, are particularly special because... It, you get a lot of the the fighter planes and those kind of things where you just put one figure in it seems kind of useless you kind of want to carry a whole bunch of them around in yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, certainly, um, reading through the comments, mask is something that um, gets mentioned a number of times. And uh, actually, James Southard said that um, he'd like to see Matt Tracker in his big rig. Um, was it uh, Rhino? So, I, I've obviously totally missed this you know, line. It must have been a late 80s, early 90s thing, was it? It was mid to late 80s, and it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to have to do some research on it, obviously, because it just doesn't resonate with me. It, it resonates with a lot of people I out know, there, I a lot tell, of people. I know, yeah. I'm sure we can't. Sure, the cartoon comes back as being rubbish, but the toys were just sensational. Well, it's interesting because um, Brendan, Brendan Cool, Brendan Cole on uh, on Facebook mentioned that um, in the GI Joe 25th anniversary figures, they added Matt Tracker um, to the line. So obviously, the the license is still around. So and, uh, Josh Krosky also mentioned Mask. It's um, oh. yeah, it certainly came up uh, again and again. So, and the diecast figures got a bit of a mention too. Gary Barson was talking about his checkered history with uh, <laughs> Star Trek. So, yeah, it's interesting for me personally. I, I really like uh, an interactive vehicle. Um, you know, I've always had visions of of seeing a, a Batmobile eventually through something like DC Universe Classics, and I, I just wonder in today's market whether we would actually see something that was just worth the wait or would it just be sort of a plastic shell that you could put two figures in and, and that would be pretty much it and maybe the wheels would turn if you were lucky, um, you know, or would you get some sort of action? Um, I've got the Batmobile from the Batman uh, animated series line and, and that does some fun things like the, the bonnet turns around to reveal a, um, a missile launcher, uh, et cetera. So... I don't know. I mean, you have to be careful with your wish lists. Um, uh, certainly some of the things on our wish lists may not sort of live up to the expectations that we've built up over the years. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, I, I thought something that would, that Eric's mentioned was interesting was the, the halo figures. They've actually produced some vehicles for them. And, and those are more of a six inch scale line. Yeah. They're not far off. Yeah. And, to, to make some of those bigger vehicles and accessories, that's kind of unusual for, for that scale. And um, I, I, it always impresses me because when he, he sends a review and I'm always kind of like, like, well, that's kind of kind of cool. I kind of like that. And then I'm like, well, I don't have anything else that's going to fit with it. But, I mean, I, can, yeah. I can't have my Monsters, Inc. figures, you know, riding an ATV with guns on the front of it. It just wouldn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> Something I found very interesting in in sort of thinking about today's market was the fact that, uh, you know, we've got superheroes. um, They've been around a long time. We've got two lines that I guess were relatively successful in um, DC Universe Classics and Marvel Legends, Um, yet we never saw those lines really extend out to to any sort of significant vehicles, Um, which, I mean, certainly in Marvel Universe, we've, we've seen some bits and pieces, but not in the six-inch line. But um, having a bit of think about it, the, I mean, vehicles are obviously still around and, and they do come out for other toy lines. And I'm just wondering, you know, why? Why is it? Is it really... I mean, obviously, there's a, a high level of tooling involved, but then there's obviously a high level of tooling in, involved in, in other vehicles for other lines. So... Uh, I'm just wondering why we don't get that level of commitment from Mattel and Hasbro. There's not I, that I'm, 
in Marvel that you'd need a vehicle for. Like, there's the Blackbird, which you didn't they do one back in 2002, 2004 for the X-Men Classics? There's, I guess, a Quinjet for Avengers. There's a couple of guys that have motorbikes, and they did that rider's line, so arguably they've covered that off. After that, you're talking about, I don't know, a helicarrier or something massive. <laughs> a six-inch scale helicarrier. Yeah, I'd be up for that. I think that would give <laughs> the, uh, the USS flag a run for its money. Well, that would probably come close. But, I mean, going then to DC Universe Classics, the Batmobile is the obvious one, and uh, one of the questions we did put out to um, to the community was the wish list, and, you know, the Batmobile sort of hands down sort of won that race. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't understand. We've, we've seen a Batmobile recently for that um, that sort of adjectiveless Batman line that's currently in stores, um, yet we don't get a, a Batmobile for DC Universe Classics. Uh, I don't know. Can someone explain that one to me? Well, I think a lot of it's about cost and the fact that, you know, these are lines that are really being done on a budget and so there's just not the um the appetite to spend that amount of money on it. And um and, and as well I think that, you know, what we see so much these days, as you've said, is um there's such a lack of detail that I think people would be really disappointed with it if they did. Um, you know, that the only uh vehicle that Mattel's managed to do in the subscription lines has been the Wind Raider for Masters of the Universe, you know, which they did a great job with, but um, I just don't see that, that there's obviously the audience or the big enough market for the DC lines to get a vehicle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how we go with the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line because um, I think it was um, Kal-El on uh, Critical Mess mentioned that one of his favourites was the the Ninja Turtles van. Um, but they've actually had a, a couple of different vans over the years. They've had their, their sort of van and their battle truck and various things. So um, obviously there's been a commitment there. Yeah, uh, I saw the new yeah. – at my latest Toys R Us run this week, um, it was on the shelf there. It was pretty – I want to say it was like $30, $35 maybe. Is uh, that apparently, what what scale is that for? It's for the 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 regular line, the the larger, the new oh, line. Okay, okay. I wonder um, how they managed to afford that then. I, I I'm not sure. And they had the um the new sewer playset to go along with it, and it was quite a bit more expensive. But the uh, the shell razor, the the vehicle, um, apparently somebody on Twitter was saying it's based on a subway car, so it has a it looks like the van kind of, but it, it has a different aesthetic too, but. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So, um, it's good to see that there are other lines out there that at least, uh, are committed to, to providing vehicles, but, um, I guess some of those, um, classics are, are still, still to come. And speaking of classics, Palinor mentioned that, um, one of his favorites was of course the, the James Bond Lotus Esprit, the, uh, the one that, uh, traveled underwater. So, yeah. yes, that's uh, certainly when, never, when, sorry, John. N- never really been a James Bond figure line, has there? Not an action figure line, no. We, we've sort of had um, 12, there's been some 12-inch figures and some sort of the various die cast and, and that sort of thing. So, 
Um, certainly in, in doing a, a bit of research for this discussion topic, I had a bit of a look to, just to see you know, what came up. But um, one of the ones that escaped me, and it wasn't until um, our good buddy Hyperion brought it to my attention, and, of course, that was the, um, the Eagle One from Space 1999. And uh, he kindly put a picture of it up on Critical Mess, and oh, that thing was enormous. That was a neat vehicle. I, I knew some kids that had that as when I was much younger than today, and that that thing was neat. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's close to falling into that that thing we just sort of discussed earlier, John, and that is that it's uh, it's almost too big for its own good, and it was um, it was something like thirty inches long. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it actually came with a couple of figures. And I don't know that they had any other figures in the line other than what came with, with it. Hmm. That's an interesting one. That, um, that line was actually, uh, yeah, that was a bit before me. So I, I, I didn't actually know anyone with any of those. So, yeah, interesting. All right, well... I guess there's a, a few other sort of things we could talk about, such as, you know, price points and things like that. But I, I guess if something was um, well-tooled enough and, and fell into the wish list category, I think most of us would probably go out of our way to, to get it. And uh, we're, we're certainly this week, we're, we're not going to mention Adam's uh, helicarrier. Um, <laughs> so, unless we get him riled up and, and, and starting another rant. So... <laughs> You know, price point wise, um, like the modern, the the vamp, the new vamp, and the new his tank, those were both at retail for the twenty to twenty five dollar range here in the states, and came with a figure. So, you know, you think about that, you're you're going to pay what eight ten bucks for a, a carded figure, and for you know almost double that, you're getting a vehicle and a figure. Yeah, um, really value wise, you can't knock that. Even at probably thirty bucks, it's probably still a a steal. And do you think that is due to the fact that they do still have the original molds or, or at least copies of those molds or in other words, they don't have to put the money into the, the tooling of something new? Well, with both of those vehicles, they were completely new. And, oh, wow. um, you know, I, I think the fact is they know that they can, they can cannibalize those molds and I, they probably make them in that, that fashion now where, okay, if we make this, can we make it modular so that, you know, down the road we can reuse it. And I think they kind of plan, you know, they, they amortize that tooling cost probably over a larger, a larger segment than just, you know, one release. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of like some of the repainted uh, stuff they bring out for the Avengers, some of those Captain America battle vehicles. And uh, some of those are just odd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I think certainly, you know, as far as um, talking about some of the, the cooler things that have come out over the years, we could certainly spend a great deal of time just talking about some um, various bits and pieces, um, um, such as, you know, Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters and, you know, Tron bikes and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, uh, another one that, that came up um, in my search that I completely forgot about and couldn't believe that I'd forgotten, of course, was... Um, B.A. Baracus's GMC van from the A-Team. That's oh, yeah. uh, one that jumped out. And, uh, yeah. All right. Well, we certainly could talk about this for quite some time, but we're gonna, I'm going to start to wrap it up now and, and go to that um, that classic question and just do the rounds and, and ask you guys, um, you know, what are, what are your wish lists? 
<laughs> Any, anything come to mind, Scott? Yeah, I mentioned mine, my two before, which would be the Blue Beetle Bug or a Legion Time Bubble. Yeah, yeah, I think Blue Beetle Bug, that'd be um, a, a pretty much a guaranteed seller. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to be waiting for some time and we might actually have to start copying um, Hyperion's custom-made one. Huh. Yeah, what about you, Adam? Anything come to mind? I don't want Hasbro to make anything for Marvel Universe ever again. You know, <laughs> um, so that in mind, uh, if Hasbro are the ones with the license for Mask, uh, please don't, please don't Hasbro, uh, leave it alone. Um, someone should get Centurions and do that again because that was good stuff. I mean, that was. Yeah. I don't know if that really counts as vehicles, but you know, you had the ten-inch figure and then all the bits and pieces that plugged into their suits to make them into pretty much a walking vehicle. That was awesome. Do that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I think they get to do some amazing stuff there. And what about you, John? Did anything come to mind? I, I really like that suggestion of the Imperial Troop Transport, uh, a modern one. I, I'd love yeah. to see that. Um, yeah. Probably the other thing that I would like to see is just, you know, more of the classic Star Wars stuff. I just don't think there's enough of it. Yeah, they've certainly done a good job in when they have um when they have retooled some of the vehicles re-released or not not re-released but released new vehicles. Um they've certainly gone out of their way like the new Slave 1 that was um considerably bigger than the old Slave 1, etc. and um, they do at least step up when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, as for me, there, uh, there's a few sort of obvious ones. Obvious uh, for, for DC Universe classics, uh, the Batmobile, and uh, obviously Blue Beetle. Without um, his bug, is a bit uh, a bit weird. And uh, as a six-inch collector, it becomes a, a lot more difficult when it comes to that wish list, simply because. Um, Obviously, the the scale issues, but I'd, I'd even be happy with a uh, a Punisher battle van to go with my Marvel Legends. Just some kind of nondescript van that's that's tripped up with lots of cool weapons and you know Gatling guns and all all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. One that actually came to mind when I was just sort of looking around my my comic room is um, the Planet Express ship from Futurama. Uh, I think could actually be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, any last sort of comments on, on that? We, we certainly had a couple of um, interesting wish lists. Uh, Craig Tonkin mentioned his uh, Masters of the Universe Classics Battle Ram. And uh, I, think the, I think they're missing out there that they don't have more Masters vehicles and uh, accessories. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. that's just yes, me. Indeed. Uh, for fans only, that line, remember? Come on. <laughs> and fans must not like vehicles. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, I hate right. to bring this one up, but uh, one I'd like to see, and, and I'm going to catch some grief for this, I know, is the uh, the amphibious vehicle they had in um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. The oh, little yeah. Russian floating. Yep, yep. Jeep yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, and that'd be quite unusual for Indy because I mean, the rest of the time you'd just be getting generic vehicles, wouldn't you? That um, uh, that that exist. I mean, you know, you can't do much beyond uh, you know a, a truck and a motorbike, and though you could, of course, do the the Raiders' huge flying wing. Well, that'd be good too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Maybe for my dream six-inch Indiana Jones line. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, that's been a fun discussion and one we've certainly had um, boiling away for quite some time and saving it up. So that wraps up our discussion topic of the week and we'll come back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up. Now you can have your own special Captain Planet adventure with your favourite planeteers. There's Wheeler, who has the power of fire, and the daring Linka with the power of wind. You can even use the Planeteer's eco-cycle. And your own power rings will let you call Captain Planet. Bring him to the rescue and save the Earth. Captain Planet and the Planeteers, now available at Kmart. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out. And, Adam, you have our piece of feedback tonight, so over to you. Thank you, Ben. Uh, we have an email from Hyperion about the Q&A episode number three. Uh, Hyperion says, listen to Scotty's interview with my fiance, and she found it very interesting as she was actually able to learn things about why I collect from the questions that were asked and the things Scotty said. So Excellent. that's probably valuable listening, therefore, for all partners. Yeah, I think it is actually because, um, I mean, I Scott and I recorded that some time ago and uh, we, we had that one sort of saved up for uh, perhaps the the eventual um, uh, weekend where everybody was unavailable. And uh, I certainly listened back to it for the first time um, in, in quite a number of months. And, uh, yeah, I actually got quite a lot out of it too. I think as, as uh, Hype mentions that you, you do get that bit of insight as to why we collect this stuff. So And, yeah, it is the kind of thing that you can, like, uh, you know, my wife is not into this at all, but the... Um, interviews are things that she actually does find interesting because it's about people and, you know, people that she hears a lot about because I'm talking about them all the time, you know, to kind of get that little insight. It is something that's a bit more probably, um, accessible to people that are not directly into this stuff than, um, the, than the regular podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And that is something that we will be, uh, Doing some more off when we get the time, we'll uh, record some additional Q&As with the rest of the AFB podcast team. So, Adam, John, you can look forward to that in the coming weeks. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, guys, well, that brings us to the end of episode number 26 of the Groovy Action Figure Blues podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. You'll be able to download future episodes of the podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab or by subscribing at iTunes. And if you do go to iTunes, please take the time to leave us a positive rating and review. Hello, Argentina. (laughs) All right. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and articles there and perhaps visit some of our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Big Bad Toy Store and popculture.com who help keep the site running. When we're not podcasting, blogging, or doing other assorted hobby-related activities, you can find all of us on the Action Figure Blues Forum at afbforum.com. There you'll find Scott posting as Scotty, Adam posting as Westy, John posting as Engineer Nerd, and myself, Ben, posting as Fish Milkshake. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or suggestions for future Toys of the Week or discussion topics, and you can do it by emailing podcast at actionfigureblues.com or by joining the AFB Forum and telling us there. And we have had an influx of new members at the AFB Forum, so please come along, jump in, join in, and get involved. 
You can follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter, at AFBlues, and like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you very much for your company. Woohoo! Well, thank you for leading the discussion. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, well, we're going to sign off now. We'll, we'll let Sicky the Sick Boy go to bed. I'm and, going uh... to bed because I'm sick. <laughs> If you didn't know, Scott's sick, so we'll sign out <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Achoo. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 26, brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Scott. Adam. John. Whiff. (laughs) (laughs) There was nothing wrong with it, but it still made me laugh. (sighs) No, no. Sorry, Um, John, when you're last, you have to say, and. (laughs) I actually didn't think it would. No, I thought it was spot on. It's just. (laughs) No, it's not. It's wrong. (laughs) It's it's like poor John's just got this pressure on him now. John. Stories that relate to the things we're interested in and have caught our eye this week. So, guys, we have. Uh, what do we have, Ben? (laughs) Someone made it green and it just threw me off. (laughs) I have a cold. Because you said I was supposed to read that I one. I know, I know, and I just saw the green, and I thought, it's green, what does that mean? It's thrown me off. Uh, <laughs> all is, right. I, I tell you what, John, John fiddling in the script is an issue. You know, <laughs> as um, noted by last week's Orange Cursor Gate incident, um, which threw me off, so I'm glad to see it's not just me that finds John's script fiddling distracting. <laughs> You got good internet connection tonight, Ben. Yeah. It's because I've got the dog on a treadmill. Uh, uh. <laughs>